episode 281. I was going to say 286, but that's not true. Here we are. There's nothing to talk about. That's the show. <laughs> See you later. Uh, that's not necessarily true. We've got some rumors. We've got some Overwatch World Cup news. We've got people retiring. But it is a slow news week. Um, but yeah, here we are. Your your lovable hosts. It's me. It's Falomel. It's Yiska. How are you? Uh, doing things, I guess. Like I, I came in with a lot of enthusiasm that was, of course, immediately shut down. <laughs> By what had Why I shut down? As in, like you know, like I was like, ah, oh, I'm going to really prep this week, and I'm going to have some takes on things that because that's what people watch for, and then there are no things to have takes for. So, like I've un unregulated uh, rage that I wanted to, you know, project onto mm. something, but there was really nothing. nothing that's sticky. okay. D depending on how long this takes, I'm sure we can find something for you to to direct your rage at. Um, be it a hand drill or, you know, other things. Um, Eric's on the sticks. Eric, how are you? Doing great, Joe. How are you? Good. We don't get to hear a lot from Eric, so I figured today, why not? Why not Why not bring in Eric? Lovable. True. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely, like, there's there's some, some stuff that happened in comp, and I think, like, Eric probably, like, Three X's, four X's, our collect like our combined playtime like overall oh, in Overwatch. So, I suppose without like, a doubt. you know, like that there, there was uh, <clears throat> in the one blog post, there was a post in there, um, and like it read like specifically, we did not expect that players would pursue all hero titles during the event. That was for um for the uh, what's it called the Olympus event. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's subtweeting Eric. Like, <laughs> I thought about it. It was a consideration. There's, there's always those, those, that completionist crowd that like wants to make sure that they collect all like the collectibles at the limited time events. And yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I think it's kind of surprising that they would think that maybe it's like a percentage or like a fraction thing where it's just like, oh, there's a lot of people who like really wanted to cash in on this. So. Eric, what, what level of the battle pass are you right now? Over two hundred at top point. <laughs> See already? Yeah, and it's not even we're not even like into the double XP stuff. Yeah, that's that is bonkers. <laughs> I got Ramatra and I was like, all right, yeah, I got my goal. I don't my, think my I'll... mission is complete. I don't think I'll get the mythic skin, especially considering how Tarkov Pillsbury are currently right now. True. We we the, the Discord community has joined Escape from Tarkov. We are actively trying to escape. Um, more often than not, we do not. Um, I'll leave it up to your imagination on what we do instead. But you know who did escape? Our patron producers, because they support us every show and they make this show possible. So we want to give a special thank you to our patron producers, Avril Vistabebe, Battlecrab, Refund Bean, Bronze Mapu, Hal Picasso, Chris R34444, Kasha67, Lotion, Porkchop, Sammy, Rexane. And our YouTube members, I am DRW, Brother Adam L, Sagi Fumi, I Sam Jello, Fire Element 6, aka Chris R. Thank you so much for supporting the show. And yes, we have we have been playing Escape from Tarkov and it's been a good time. Um can, can I'm gonna I... have to tweet out a a, a a Discord link for for the for the people out yeah. there. But yes, continue. What 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 do you want? Can to do? can I can I uh, address another crowd of um, folks that have been supporting the podcast lately? Sure. This, this is coming out of left field, Joe. I didn't even tell you about this. Okay. Uh, our parents 
Like I, I every on, once in a while. Let's go out, Ferris. Let's go, Punk Stand. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, Punk Stand. Like, of course, that's the one that you saw. But like, very like frequently, I'll just get like some nice DMs of like some some parents, and I'm I won't talk about who, who are just sure. like, thank you for talking very nicely about my son, and then. Aww. You know, like this, it's uh, nice to see that um, folks are staying up to date on their um, on their kids' like career progression yeah. and what what uh, folks think about them, and that our co opinion is considered in that regard. So, um, I think I've I've always thought that the the share of like insiders and like you know like involved folks and also players. Watching TCP is pretty high, so I'm I'm perfectly happy being the, the. Okay, this. Are you ready for the most? Oh, are you gonna toot your own horn? No, are you? Tooting yeah, it's our the horn? worst. It's the worst comparison, yeah, but it's like <laughs> we, we're your favorite industry insiders, favorite podcast. You know, yeah. and I won't make any more connections than that because if I if I tell you the artists, uh, it, it's almost certainly tooting our own horn too too highly. Yeah, we're we we have a tight. I don't even like calling it a platform, but we we do we do try our best. And then yeah, if if you're actually getting like parents DMing you, I think that's super cool. And I think we have like a weird, weird is a strong word, but we have like a a dense um amount of parents who are super involved in their 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 children's interests and you know in what they're pursuing. And I think it's super cool. And I think esports in general, um is opening up to that. And I think it's dope that, you know, people like Punk's dad. And I, I remember like Zachary's mom being like super involved yeah. and like active on Twitter and, you know, like all these people like showering and like trying to like be the cheerleaders that, you know, I think these, these people need like these, 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 uh, these pros are, they don't, <laughs> I think they get a lot of love, but in an equal sense, they get a lot of like vitriol that I think, you need some some people in your corner so hats off to you doing a great job i think you're you guys are doing awesome things um but you know who's not doing awesome things at least not anymore it's me i'm not high on molly because molly retired yiska i'm sad yeah i can understand i mean that that was a great career right like it, it's not a career oh, that definitely like we i think that our all part of the community talked about enough i think it's also just because people don't watch apac as much but that was a high quality player right like um basically like uh had incredibly high peaks definitely had a career that was i forget what is it was he he was part of the shanghai roster right in season four um in 2020 yes was like the baby of 20 of 2020 2020 oh i'm sorry no, no no going into 2021 is he an all season champion is what i'm asking i'm forgetting uh, the yeah. timelines yes yes 2021 right so i guess um yeah i don't know like it, now is as good a time as any uh especially like considering the situation with the game um in china so yeah, I, I don't know. I I think this is bittersweet. Uh, definitely, like, um, and a career that, at least from our part of the internet, is probably underrated in uh, in what it, he was able to achieve. 
I think underrated is just by like textbook definition, probably very accurate. Um, I don't think we really got to see. I think we saw some glimpses on uh, Chengdu in 2020 um, of like what Molly could kind of do. Mm -hmm. But I think it takes somebody either who was partaking in consuming like contenders China content and maybe some, you know, adept viewers who were trying to get into like gauntlet prep um because i don't think people really got how good molly was and why like i even i think kenobi would probably tend to agree with this like i went to bat for molly even against like his view of of things at the at the time like i thought molly was super super solid um had like this really odd hero pool because back i think it was during 2018 maybe late 2019 he also showcased like a weirdly good tracer for somebody who you know from a position that typically doesn't play it in a region that has always been very experimental i think across esports in general um but this was kind of coming out like in the early stages of like people trying to tinker with goats counters if memory serves me um and then prior to that i think uh originally played a little bit of like tracer and like the uh the no hero limit era of things um but had like a, a weirdly strong hero pool did a lot of things like above board like at like that that benchmark level that you kind of need to hit to kind of you know break into like some of the top contenders teams and maybe low tier owl player um and yeah i don't think ever really got a ton of like i never got like a true fair shake at things um obviously played for the shanghai team that ended up winning but like did he really though um probably still could probably start for a team i think if the valiant uh organization and that whole situation was a little bit more coherent and a little bit more constructive i think that team probably could have come together not necessarily around his leadership, not not in that way, but I think you know we we get a big a better picture of like who Molly is when when it comes to like the legacy of his career. Um, and it's sad to it's sad to see another kind of like tenured veteran go again, kind of playing since twenty eighteen, being like a Chinese staple. Mm -hmm. um, sad to see, but like you said, it, I mean, well, the, what future do a lot of these players have if they're not in the league? They can't play the game, right? It's it's tough. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think like considering the state of APAC and how people are still scrimming and like everything, sure. I think there's probably space for him. But like, I'm not sure if, if that's like if I'm now at this stage in his career, would you really take it another sure. spin? Like, I don't know. It, it really depends on the um, like opportunities that you're being presented because uh, like real talk i'm i wouldn't do it for a year of valiant again like or no. valiant s teams right yeah it's it's hard to want to do that especially with some of the like the news and like the you know anecdotal info that is out there i'm not going to quote it but you can find it if you want to about those situations it, it, it hasn't been good nothing about it sounds like it's been good mm -hmm. um and, and, and to kind of tie it in with like the opener, it's like, okay, well, if, if you were to weird, if you were to kind of like decouple, for instance, put yourself in a parental role and then try to advise Molly and say, Hey, yeah, yeah. do you want to give away another year of your time to a game that is kind of getting its boots out of the mud or, or 
you know, trying to figure its way through the swamp or go do something else or try to, you know, maybe join the broadcast team or explore a different esport. You know, again, Valorant, you know, coincidentally just approved in China, cleared all those checks. Maybe you try to, you know, see what that's about. Maybe you go back to school. Who knows, right? I, nobody, I don't know what Molly's up to or, or what what's going on with him. But even from that angle, it's like if you're trying to advise a young adult, it's like, yeah. I don't think anybody in the in their in a good conscience can be like, oh yeah, Overwatch is a great opportunity. Go ahead and give it a go. It's like, I'm sorry. As much as I love the game and I love the community, I love the esport. Like, it's it's not looking great right now. It's tough. Even even if you don't think all of this, I think it's a fine uh, time to retire and given given sure. the normal yeah. career projection. So yeah. I don't I don't hate it even though like the pool of available talent in APAC is steadily decreasing and I'm a little concerned for the quality of APAC teams generally speaking but maybe I'm also just undervaluing whoever is left in contenders yeah um but at the same time I I think most folks I've talked to agree that we are really starting to see the impact of like decisions or departures of mm. structures in the contender scenes globally, really. Sure. But because if you think about it, of course, like as soon as all academy teams dropped, that mm -hmm. that doesn't mean those players now disappear, right? They these guys will make it through like more amateur teams eventually. Mm -hmm. Anyway. But the the uh, the question is like, can you attract new ones? Because like, if if I'm a young talented FPS player, and I see no no long term goals in the more immediate future, as in like maybe I gain sustainability through being able to join an academy roster, well, that might just be uh, also something against the incentive structure. Um, and I wander off to other greener pastures and other scenes that have much more regionalized approaches, mm -hmm. such as Valorant. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, like maybe I'm overstating a little bit of the the demise of the talent. I also think it's 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 funny saying this after a really successful rookie reason, but I I, I wouldn't be surprised if like a couple of years down the road, we would think that this was a relative, like season five was the peak of uh, what contenders brought, like the peak impact of what contenders brought to the Overwatch League. And mm -hmm. we're now in a situation of decline where you just aren't churning out the uh, level of quality anymore. Like back in the day, you just had competing talent forges, for in instance, in... Uh, in Contenders Korea, right? Like you had the KDPs, sure. you had yeah. the Lunatic Highs, you had the Genjis, you had the O2s starting, then a couple of other esports organizations like MVP, they could have like a player or two, right? Like Runaway was still there. Mm -hmm. Like th that competition also just like helps sharpen the, the blades of all those, those players. If you really only have one or two organizations, and especially only O2, it feels like at it right now. Like there are others, but are they? They're not compare. 
KDP is incomparably more competitive back back in the day than Panthera, right? Like uh, all all due respect to Sunpresa Gaming, like they aren't they aren't like you know the I don't know the uh, Genji uh, talent pipeline sure. or whatever, sure. right? Yeah. So <clears throat> I think this is probably the year where we will start to see a decline in efficacy of rookies coming in. I think we probably saw a decline in signings of rookies this year when all is said and done. At least, like, I, this is super low, like, uh, guesstimating right now, but it really feels like yeah. it. So, yeah, it's it's a rough one. And in that universe, there's, a, mm. there's something to be said about uh, veterans maybe sticking it out a, another year and getting more play time than they would have you know, in in previous years, um, mm. just because the quality is remains there and by the bar not raising as quickly due to mm. you know signing new like incredibly skilled talents, you can probably start your career a little bit. So, I mean, on the subject of Molly, I think that's a fair point. I think on the subject of other players of similar levels, especially more compatible with. The, those language structures, I think I would co sure. compare Molly to someone like Crimzo. Yeah. I think it makes absolute sense for someone Terrible. like Crimzo to still stick around, right? Because <clears throat> there's a good environment there on a team. Like, they can maybe do something, like lose Joe a lot bet, and <laughs> the, um, yeah, that, that I think that's that's a much more sensible situation. If you still had incredible flex support talent coming in every season i think that's where it gets a little bit more critical um for like if you if you have four ultraviolets coming in this year then it mm -hmm. more probably like the tide rises so quickly that someone like Kremzo probably now has to really compete for the starting spot there I would imagine so and again um to to kind of send off molly here i think that I think Karimzo is a, is a fairly apt comparison. The issue is like they play in two very different ecosystems, right? If Crimzo, you know, Crimzo has umpteen different teams to kind of trial for and have opportunities within, even if, you know, those opportunities aren't necessarily like reticent in the public's eye, at least like you can see, you know, maybe a, a Crimzo on a Houston or a Dallas or, you know, again, teams that have, you know, dabbled with mixed rosters in the past i'm not saying currently but i'm just talking about it like in the broader scope of like opportunities versus you know a, a chinese you know national right like there's not a ton of opportunities for these people right um on top of that maybe crimson can go back to school can play in collegiate we've seen that pipeline be successful some for for some players there's a ton of opportunities for western talent apac again chinese nationals can't play the game in mainland china from my understanding um they don't really have any kind of outside third party structure like a collegiate like a you know any kind of university level you know talent they used to have third party tournaments that's kind of gone by the wayside there, there's really it, it kind of does feel like a, a a barren landscape for them so again it's it's a tale of two different cities in a way um but i i did kind of want to pick your brain a little bit when it came to this looming dare I say recession in terms of rookies 
Um, because I think that's always been something that Overwatch has had uh, a great deal of success in. It feels like every season we've always had very prominent rookies stepping up. Our rookie, our graduating class of rookies has always been something kind of really interesting to talk about and explore. Um, and it was tough to imagine teams really betting on rookies last year with you know, an early access view of the game and what do you build for? And these GMs having to build for teams that, you know, build these teams on a game that they've never even played. And now that we have experienced the game, now we have a playbook. Now we can kind of understand a little bit of what Overwatch 2 looks like in a very like broad and kind of analytical sense. You, you're telling me that those rookies are going to be scaled back, you think? I just, I Where have would a hard... they come from? that's that's the kind of ice like, golden question it, like i'm sorry but we saw the best remaining na team come in last year and they got stomped did they not do you think in, in, odyssey would have a, a better would fare better this year for instance if they were signed somewhere do you think that core is not trying to at least get a win somewhere and have I, not any more uh, aspirations. Like it's it, like I feel like other than O2, I, I mean, mm -hmm. maybe we'll get to see an opportunity, but I'd be very surprised that once like all teams are up to speed and fully scrimming and everything's going um, ahead, I don't think we're at a point where there's realistically as many t top tier contenders rosters left that can do the can create these storylines like an american tornado could sure. where they could like beat like top five teams in all when they were at their peak in the contenders region or o2 could farm the apec region and splits scrims against shanghai right like there is currently no talent to my knowledge left that can perform to that degree and if there is it's probably an apec and if they can, it's probably because APEC has lost a ton of quality this sure. year. That's, I think that's fair to say. I think when it comes to, at least in my view of like integrating rookie talent, it's never been at a team level so much as it's been like fostering individuals. And I agree that like the lack of infrastructure support when it comes from, you know, either Blizzard or the Overwatch League you know, franchises themselves. And again, I don't fault them necessarily for it because that's just another bill they have to pay and they ain't making money. So what will, you know, what do you want them to do? Um, but I think we all agree that there isn't a ton of support when it comes to fostering these talents and, and, you know, making connections there and maybe teams just don't see a ton of intrinsic value when it comes to looking and trying to make connections there or, or, you know, invest even non-monetarily when it comes to you know individuals i don't see it at a at a team level when it comes to like promoting talent i, I see it more at an individual level um when we have you know talents like tree where it's like okay i'm waiting for somebody like a brad or somebody like keen right. enough like, like a crusty type of character to place a bet and say you know we're gonna lock you know this 15 16 year old phenom that's absolutely decimating everybody in na that is this prodigal talent to a contract and, and, you know, you can't integrate him. 
I know that they can't, but again, like that's the idea. That's the idea that like, I want to invest early in you. I want to like, try to make that connection. Right, I want to like, try to get you into my system. Even if you, even if it's like a, a handshake verbal agreement. I'll, I'll tell you what, that's going to be even less the case going forward where we're going than ever before. Mm -hmm. This is what okay. you just described won't happen. Can you elaborate as to why? Because like, okay, like you have the lowering of the, the age limit to 17. That's Correct. good for those guys. Yep. That also means everyone below that now, especially given the, um, the prospects of, of this scene, like who's mm. thinking long-term two years down the road of signing sure, a player, right? And right. where would you put that guy? Yeah. Well, you don't there's, have academy teams. There's not. And, and again, like that's, that's the, the million dollar question because you do want to have these GMs and, you know, these, these coaches and analysts and whoever, you know, try to cherry pick some of these talents to like place bets on them. And I think, Placing you know, a bet I, is being nice in DMs, maybe helping <laughs> out with uh, with vulgar sure. reviews here and there. Yeah. That's as far as you can go at this point. Agreed. Yeah. And maybe Agreed. that's that's maybe enough, but w once again, like <clears throat> we're in a position where we are now with we're basically like the the tweet like me when I reap, me when I sell, <laughs> right? T type of situation yeah. where. Like we were reaping the benefits for of contenders quality mm -hmm. and the tier two system quality and the attractiveness of this video game, especially in the I would say the first three seasons, till pretty much season five. And now we have a coinciding situation where probably not as many people played Overwatch, especially younger folks, especially kids that had to pay for the, the game that wasn't being updated for two years. And therefore, like that content pipeline just completely dried up, coinciding with academy teams dying and therefore also not facilitating those that made it through the first filter, which is getting the freaking game. So while we're now sowing like good seeds into the ground by having F2P, and therefore, like providing access to a lot of young talent that can, like, it might pick up Overwatch, might fall in love with it, might have aspirations towards pro play. It's years down the line that we see the, we will see the impact of that particular change, mm -hmm. and it's like we, whatever we're doing in terms of facilitating the ability of up-and-coming talent to play and we, I, I wouldn't say we, we've completely abandoned the idea when like collegiate yeah. is interesting now right mm -hmm. like that's a pipeline that could entice some of the young talents as it does with tree but that is yeah. only recent development and for that to take place like we, we will need years of development and attracting into that model sure. and convincing folks that it's worth still buying into this I think like there's there's more to it than you know creating per a perception of like this being a valuable journey. I think like if if a kid just loves this game, they probably are undeterred and bubbled up enough in their social structure where they don't really care that m or as impacted by that. But it 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 contributes in in terms of like getting getting them to start playing this, right? It's both like and 
it's a numbers game. Like in, in talents is a numbers game in terms of like how many people play that your particular game, and then that a fraction of those will be good enough to be at X rank, and a fraction enough of those will be good enough to play open division, and a fraction of those will stick around to play contenders and hone their skills and are good enough to compete there, and then the tippy tippy top makes it to Overwatch League, while the absolute top talent that we filtered through five seasons, as long as they want to play, I think we we will probably now season five. It made sense that we saw uh, an uptick in like rookie efficacy, not least because O2 is absolutely nutty uh, and proper is like the, the messianic figure of Overwatch in, in many sure. ways. But um, the the situation um, that we're probably going to see like they're, they're okay. You have three. Mm-hmm. You have maybe Max. You have John Bin. Okay, yeah. these are the stories, exciting stories that are coming in this year. Maybe sure. Top Dragon. You could be excited about. I think people are excited about Top Dragon. I would definitely include them. Whether or not that those expectations will live up, another name like he's saying, and again, like he's somebody, saying, yeah, okay, okay. The auto crowd. That's like you, you. You're not going to have a counter yes, argument I'm, I'm from sure you're like they have been farming that, but. Yeah. Who are the other guys you're getting excited about from the contenders regions joining? I I hate to respond with a, 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 a with another question, but I feel like that's the same kind of narrative structure we go through every year. No, where like we're always kind of surprised that like oh no. I didn't expect this no. guy to come. No 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 no, no 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 no. Who did we have last year? Like AT. yes, of course we had proper. Right. And we had AT, sure. But is that not like almost the same kind of like hand wave away that we gave O2? Where it's like, yeah, we expect them to do well. Of I course. mean, like, we had O2 and proper and we had Alpha Yi and we had like, dude, our if we do a rookie draft this mm -hmm. year, if we were to do one and compare it to our drafts from last year, dude, they wouldn't get a point. <laughs> Right, the quality think, has I dropped off a cliff. I, I think I'm starting to see what you're saying. So, like, there, there's just there's a problem in in terms of, I th I think like at those uh, small sizes, of course, there's individual variants. You can't expect mm -hmm. someone like proper or even like, you know, the other crazy good rookies like Reiner, like uh, even people that really surprised like Hydron. Like the, these guys to, to consistently come in, and I'm sure someone, some of those rookies will surprise us once again. But there mm -hmm. aren't like I'm not sitting here going like, "Oh my god, this is Runaway coming in season two. No, uh, yes. oh my god, yeah. this is like um, I don't know, like there's this crazy story of Lip in the ether mm -hmm. where okay, that wasn't a known name in 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 contender circles as in like the how we talked about it in, in Western Overwatch, but like coaches were telling me this this dude is something else entirely, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm -hmm. I'm not hearing these stories right now to that same extent. Like where we, it just feels like we've, we've reached that point where our systems are leading to the inevitable conclusion that everyone that supports tier two and has been working in tier two has been pointing towards. And... It's not going to be better next year either, right? Like this is this is it now, and to see like the positive effects of something like, let's say, 
uh, collegiate, like the Calling All Heroes uh, initiative, okay. like Run It Back, like um, Overwatch being f- f- uh, free to play. We we're probably in season seven, season eight by the time this takes fruition, and we have these these folks that would have probably otherwise like the sheer volume of folks that would have otherwise been in other games mm-hmm. take like grow into beautiful uh, flowers and like really bloom here and show their talents. And I think, I mean, this this is the logical conclusion of everything that's been going on in the tier two scene sure. for yep. the last couple of years. And I think I think I'm slowly kind of coming around to that idea because I think we built up a lot of uh, talent previously when Overwatch was at this like fever pitch when you know Apex was like going off because even going through some of those names that we're talking about last year, obviously Proper's not you know a pre Apex player, but like you you have names like Alpha Yi coming into early contenders era, you know, Korean Overwatch, where it's like, okay, these these are names and players that have been like grinding the game for a long time. And now we're starting to kind of break through, right? As these these holes open up, they kind of filter their way up and they get the opportunities and lo and behold they succeed, right? Um and and I think we are working pretty deep within that that well of water and we're getting towards the bottom, right? And we like like you're saying we we've we've created structures found structures but it's going to take time to kind of replenish that well i arguably we haven't seen the bottom of yet yet i think there's some residual like someone like top dragon was on the genji roster right like that that was that is an academy to player a lot of the great talent coming in is on an o2 and okay o2 is sustainably here that's fine we have yeah. Also, T1 shut down, right? Like, there's a bunch of talent in the past that T1 presented, like the MN3s and the Zests, right? Like, these are the rookies that were, dude, I don't know. Like, maybe, maybe I'm really aggregating this badly in terms of like who's coming in this year, but I feel like the rookie class last year was a slapper. Just think of the quality of players, even in hindsight now, that came in from Proper to Reiner to Alpha Yi to like even like the the talent that didn't live up to the expectations is a higher volume of the, the entire talent that we're getting this year like we, I, it's it's a little rough to say ultraviolet for instance uh underperformed but i think also just because i had such high expectations like i, I think sure, yeah. i thought this was you know, like going to be an absolute elite main uh, flex support. I think that he can very much still be, and I think he was to a large extent that in stage one. But mm-hmm. like, even the talents that that didn't fully live up to their expectations, the volume of that is arguably bigger than what we're getting this year. I I don't think I disagree, but I do think there is some selection bias when it comes to like even just recognizing names that we've known to be like at least promising players in the past i I, i'll you know harken back to like an alpha yi or i guess in some ways a kaluge i know eric's kind of posting a couple names in there but there are these players that we've heard good things about maybe they're too young maybe they've never gotten an opportunity um kind of sitting and and incubating within contenders and finally getting up so i think we have a small amount of bias in in noticing those names in this graduating class and be like oh i know that that you know person i know that that player is very talented i've heard good things Mm -hmm. happy to see them get an opportunity this year we're we're really starting to get a, a real taste of like the true overwatch 2 rookies where it's like 
I know nothing about a lot of these NA talent. Obviously, there are a couple names that stick out because, you know, there's always those, you know, class leaders, if you will, those those valedictorians from each region that really stick out and and get a lot of press and get a lot of, you know, wind behind their sails to kind of break through. But I I I I see where you're getting at. I think I'm just like a fraction, you know, I'm I'm slightly less uh intense and in how i think you know this yeah. this rookie class might be I, a little shot. i think just like in my mind okay so by the way i want team i definitely in terms of like an elite talent forge i forgot is element mystic um sure. just to add and for completion's sake also dude just think of it like the team of not as crazy in actual performance rookies this year mm -hmm. okay look at callan you got callan you got uh Arguably, like the Atlanta Rain um, backline, that I think could be elite, and I could absolutely see them becoming elite this year. Okay. Oh, I mean. Then yeah. you have a Pritta, Okay, that yeah. didn't didn't live up to that. Um, I feel like who else? Uh, ba -ba 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 -ba. Is there some someone that you could say? Ah. Uh, I mean, but there you have almost like an entire team, right? Okay, let me go down the list. Britta, ba, ba, ba. Adam, okay, that guy didn't even get to play. Um, pineapple <laughs> is definitely like someone that could have been. Uh, pineapple probably could start for a team, but there again, like, where do you put him? Kilo underperformed. That's a name that you could uh, put in there, right? Like. Uh, I think so Chorong was fine, but probably not to the level that... Not to the level that anybody expected him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then, dude, <laughs> look at the list of those names. There's so many baggers in there. Like, it's 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 nuts. Like, Vigilante, dude. Like, proper, like, um, someone, Hydron. Um, yeah. Alpha Yi, Merit. Man, backbone, like Reiner, Paddy Pan, you have to say, like Zest, MM3, Kalush, um, Finn, Proper, Vindame, Stalker. Dude, this was, this is just like elite all the, uh, all the way down, right? Like, yeah, it's, and a, it's, it's not a strong to... rookie class. I, 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 I agree that this is among one of the better rookie classes that we've had. I don't think it tops 2020s by a long shot. Shout out to the the worst generation. Like that in my mem like in my mind, like is the best, the the pinnacle. I'm not sure. Class. I'm not sure. I think just by virtue of O2. Sure, I I O2 is a great team, right? And like having proper in your class is a is a great big yeah. boost, right? Again, like a messianic figure, yeah. I think is you're, but, you're putting it I, gently. Yeah, I think I think I would have to also entertain. Like I'd, I'd have to really look into it. I, I I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you here on the on the sure, sure, sure. um on that, but it illustrates like we had a couple of banger years of rookies, mm -hmm. not seeing that this year, and it makes no. perfect sense. Yeah, I, it does make perfect sense. What's what's unfortunate is that this would be the year that we would hope to see another banger rookie class not just in just the general sense of like oh well we've always had great rookies why does this change anything but because this is the first you know season that is built with any kind of experience for overwatch 2 again overwatch 
last year, the Overwatch League last year was built. These teams were built on a game they could not play. Sure. That that is that is an impossible task, and yet we still had some solid teams come out of it. And I think I speak for us all to say that I'm very thankful that that happened. But this is like the first year that we should see a big rookie injection to say, ah, okay, we figured out some of the source code, mm, we've cracked some of the puzzle. Quick. It's too quick. Like it, nobody it, is. I'm like, not saying it's completed. I'm not saying it's a solved game, but mm. at least we have our bearings about us to say, okay, uh, we have a better idea. Now we can try to act on that. These, I, I, I will always respect a lot of those, uh, a lot of the GMs for last season, because again, it, it bought it. I, I cannot overstate this enough. They had to build a team on a game they had nothing, like no right. knowledge on. It, it, that is that is an impossible task and i'm not trying to hand wave away any kind of disappointments or any kind of gambles that didn't pay off i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do that what i am going to do is respect them and say okay well at least you have next year to go off of and because of like the state and health of things in this looming recession and eggs cost like eight dollars and milk's expensive we ain't making any money. The aliens are leaving us. Cue the Modern Warfare 2 music, right? Like, it, it, stuff's rough right now. And there isn't a ton of, like, infrastructure to kind of pull from. That That well isn't necessarily dry, but it's pretty shallow. And we have solutions, but it's going to take time. It's a mess. At least in my mind, this would be the season where we get that injection. And, and apparently, it just, like you're saying, it might not be coming. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... We'll see. That's it's, mm, yeah. It's once again like I I think there are good things in the works. Where sure, of course. I, I I'm interested about like you you know what I'm talking about. This is this is going to be interesting. Like what if if that sure. is the shining beacon, you know, like the the light that brings the moth and attracts the moth, right? Like in order to um, to make it there. I've always, yeah, I, I don't want to talk too much about uh, that particular thing, but like, I think it has potential um, of being a new, new attracting point for uh, content as talent. And I'm, sure. I'm hoping that together with the increased player base of, F, of um, free-to-play and hopefully like a, increasingly like fun and rewarding experience that the developers are working on mm. I, I hope that uh, that there's a new attraction point being built so like maybe in a couple of years down the line like season 7, 8 that's mm. when we then uh, can can reap the benefits of those moves but it, it won't <laughs> fix season 6 and it definitely won't fix uh, maybe sure. not even 7 yeah because again, we're going to have to continue to plant some of those seeds. And, and you bring up, you know, the attraction point. Um, obviously, Overwatch World Cup coming back this season, 2023 World Cup info dropping uh, earlier today, I believe. Uh, the website is up. Uh, that's going to be basically your hub for all things World Cup related. Um, and we also got some very interesting news. Uh, some good, some uh, not so good, depending, but we'll kind of discuss it. Um, what was interesting, at least um, from my neck of the woods, was the tie-in to the game itself. Apparently, there will be Overwatch World Cup-related challenges for players to complete 
um, within the game to kind of also celebrate and draw attention to uh, the World Cup, which I think does have its fingers within the competitive space, which means that we should see some some big, big bunny years there. Uh, some interest driven to the Overwatch League itself. So, Yiska, want to kind of get your take on that. Is this a big a deal as maybe some people are making it out to be, or is this kind of a nothing burger bonanza? Mm, I mean, it's a it's it's a deal for the people affected, right? Um, sure. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Also, I, I'll be I'll be honest. Measuring my dopamine secretion and everything regarding World Cup, like measuring the excitement level there is really hard for me and always has been. Yeah, you know, like whenever we talked about World Cup, I'm just not inter in, it's no, that it's, interested. It's about, like, the, the, the thing is, like, in my mind, especially as a European, mm -hmm. the relevant structures of competition don't really take comp uh, country in into account like the the european experience is playing with other europeans communicating sure. in bad english as like sure. and like your parents wondering why you're all uh, uh, like writing all d's but your english is a, is a b just because mm -hmm. like you're learning english in the in the practical sense um and then having to justify why your uh, english exam has words like pog in there but sure. like it, it in that sense, like the 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 nation level, I guess I get it a little bit, but I think mostly what what has t uh, maintained through time immemorial in esports is the EU versus NA narrative. That's sure. something like th that I ha can get behind, just because it feels more true to how esports are actually played for a majority of Europeans like my gaming experiences have always been like with Swedish folks and fin mm -hmm. Finnish and like um then an Austrian guy right like in in when I competed so it was always very European wide there are some communities that are pretty secluded from the rest I would say for instance um that also just presents in the language communities that they have. I think like Fr the French like to stick among themselves. Um, I think we see the same phenomenon, especially like in terms of like how multimedia entertainment or streaming entertainment has developed in Spain. That's um, that's a, seems to be like a little bit of a cutoff community, even though you will definitely meet Spanish folks that will sure. community uh, communicate. I think there's just a little bit more of a propensity for those guys, for those countries to play amongst each other. I think there's uh, a similar like uh, bonding in Eastern Europeans, or at least um, those Russian-speaking ones, where they play a lot with each other. You see that represented in CS um, uh, teams, for instance, or also like uh, on ladder. So I think most of it is not really on a on a country level, I think it's on a language-based level. That's that's sure. the hard line, and it's on a cultural level uh, more so than everything else. And therefore, it was always really hard for me to care overly about the World Cup because the World Cup, as a concept, is just fundamentally different to what it is, for instance, for football. Because sure. in football, every country has its own like figured out talent pipeline and like 
in Germany you have academies or like every like there's huge industries behind that and it makes sense to take pride in whatever system you've built up and led into your uh, country's performance there right mm -hmm. those systems I just see on a much more European level and I think like generally speaking also like in looking over at League of Legends I think they're getting way more mileage out of uh, EU versus NA versus uh, China oh, versus sure. Korea than they do of uh, USA against Germany against Spain against Sweden right so I wouldn't. I wouldn't fight you if you know you're you're pushing for the World Cup to be a little bit more zoomed out to maybe being a continental, a, a continental, you know, mm -hmm. scope where it is more. Because I think you're right. I think esports in general has always gravitated towards NA versus CU. I mean, I don't think we have to look too far to go. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna take the Western teams versus the APAC teams, right? Like, yeah, that's a narrative that I think even you know our audience is very familiar with, right? Like. You do have a lot of people who do kind of only watch NA, and there are obviously some people who prefer to only watch APAC, and there are those absolute deranged individuals uh, who try to watch both, right? It's difficult, but they manage. Um, am I projecting? I don't know. You tell me. Um, that said, I think we're... That I won't fight you on. If we did, if esports in general, or at least our, the Overwatch League or the Overwatch esports rather zoomed out a little bit. I, I think that would probably benefit a lot of people for yeah. a lot of different reasons. Just, just but, can I, can I quickly but, give a practical example to give the, sure. I think we have a lot of American viewers. It's probably hard for them to um, empathize because I think like USA as an entity works in Overwatch yes. because yeah. you guys managed to win a world cup and whatnot and be competitive, right? Because it's a country that has a population equal to Europe. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, um, but what would excite you more, right? A World Cup of uh, USA versus mm -hmm. South Korea versus China, and then against Europe with a team like Kevster, Funny Astro, right? right. Um, I don't know, like, uh, um, who's who's uh, oh, who's who else is like Kai for sure. Um, yeah. like the, the elite European talent that's still left in yeah. in the Overwatch again, of course, by the way, this is also a talented pipeline that's drying up much more quickly than the other scenes just because Europe has uh, historically always been uh, under-supported, uh, right? But yeah, like, yeah. I think it's much more easy for me to see how seeing Kefster and Kai and Funny Astro on one team could excite mm -hmm. me more in the prospect of them playing against South Korea, who could feasibly play five teams that are up to the level of uh, everyone else competing, sure. um, then, you know, them having to find some dude that's like, you know, GM, so Sweden has a main support or something like that. You know, like it's, that's just not something I'm into. I, I agree, um, and I am definitely predisposed to agree with you that I think having more competitive matches with bigger names, you know, and having, like, these all-star teams for your region rather than your country probably would provide a higher skill, um, a higher skilled product. But I think this is very in line with the original 
again, the World Cup that is uh, and, and how it's structured and how it has been structured is very in line with the original view of Overwatch esports, I think, ad hoc, right? Um, in, a, in a very particularly astute, not so astute, depending on who you ask, way, Overwatch esports has done a fantastic job at bringing in a new audience of esports enjoyers. I don't know. I can throw a stone into a field of Overwatch fans. You shouldn't do that, but I could. And I think you'd hit somebody nine times out of ten that is is going to comment that this is their first esport. And it's because of the geolocation model. Maybe it's because of Disney. Maybe it's because of X, Y, or Z reason. But regardless of whatever reason that is, this the the conclusion has been we have a very green audience, right? Um, and I think that this is another part of that pipeline, this being the World Cup, um, to attract just the general audience to want to watch Overwatch Esports. Um, and I think that that, at, at its heart, is a, an attractive, an attraction point, rather, to kind of tie into that con- uh, the, the contenders discussion that we just had, where... It is people inside the restaurant. I, I've used this analogy in the past where it's like, okay, how do I, I'm, I'm a restaurant manager. How do I want to increase the profit of my restaurant? Well, I have to get people in the restaurant first. It's like the the least common denominator. It's like the ease, it's the easy of the ease of execution, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. It, like you're trying to increase the, the funnel as wide as you can to try to get as many people to become interested in it. It's not for like the top percent of, viewers it's not the most skilled because let's face it half these teams are going to get like absolutely slobber knockered by like some of the more you know talent dense regions or you know countries rather um so i think there are some pros and cons there and we'll definitely we'll maybe we'll get into some other cons but it does attract a wide scope but it's not necessarily super great at funneling or filing it down and i think that's just a general plight of Overwatch esports in general is we have a great base, but we don't know how to shape it up. We have all this clay, but we don't know how to mold it into a sculpture, I guess is the, the analogy. Yeah. Uh, like in my mind, it's a point of scaling, right? You can't sure. do this if es- like you can't, the World Cup makes sense in a world where um, Overwatch is the most played game in the world, like League of Legends, let's say. Sure. There's a much more localized scene. You have like these regionalized leagues that are supported by the developer and it's feasible to do th- like honestly it just <laughs> a world cup structure makes much more sense in league of legends than it does in overwatch right yeah. they circumvent that by and even they make the uh, decision that it's mostly about uh, regional rivalries right like and um even there like they they've enforced much more regional uh, guidelines than we have. Like that's that's another thing. Mm-hmm. The World Cup doesn't make sense in a world where we don't region lock our teams in terms of like what kind okay. of talent yeah. uh, they can bring on. If if London had to field three British players and you then had to invest into the local infrastructure of having British players, or if the um, like if if we were a much more international league with uh, cities across the world like it made sense to have the world cup that way you entrench that way you have big plans it scales up 
You have a representative player base. Everything is growing. You eventually can maybe maybe it's even not even that desirable for uh, esports orgs to sign sixty percent of the league to uh, uh, from South Korea. It's mm. not the reality that we live in, and I would like to see it be more uh, adjusted to that because I fear that just seeing how uncompetitive th this World Cup is probably shaping up to be. It will hurt the charm of the event, but no, maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna come to your defense there because I can already hear the Timmies in the chat going. Well, look at the final once it's been played. It was such a good game. He's not talking about the final. He's not even talking about the playoffs. We're talking about like ninety percent of the games that are played in the World Cup are yeah. nothing burgers. They're not worth watching. They are they are there to just to be like tribalistic campfires for everybody to run around with their flags and like hope and pray that maybe their team can you know win a couple games but in reality they didn't stand a chance versus you know some of the bigger and more talent dense regions look okay, it's, it's <laughs> like maybe this is super german pilled and i'm not sure if you guys are like this but mm -hmm. attention immediately only flocks to the sports we're good in like formula one was huge when michael schumacher was or michael schumacher was great yeah, that's and then that's it was like really popular when Vettel had a, a yeah. second um, claim to the championship. Now, mm. yeah, I mean, I, I haven't looked at the ratings, but like I feel like much less people talk about it than in Germany, right? Sure. Same is true for handball in Germany. Like we were oh, like sure. in World Cup finals. No, it's like an afterthought thing, right? And it feels like if your team, national team, is not really competitive there. You're probably not getting the news coverage, and like not not going to attract that viewer base, and like I feel like the World Cup in 2019, like the stranglehold that uh like the quality of some countries have on on the league in terms of like quality talent was not as ex uh, as expressed. I feel, and mm -hmm. um the the second row once again, this is also a contenders argument once again is also not as strong anymore there's not not as much coverage um i think like for countries like germany never made really made much sense like you had like a guy or you had two guys that at best were like competitive arguably like the german team that we're getting this year is probably the most competitive it's ever been with uh hardy and khan but that is pretty much like it, it's just not that exciting for the majority of it yeah, I, I to kind of answer your <laughs> your statement regarding like whether or not like you know people from the states follow sports that we're not good at. It, it, I don't know if that's a fair question because it's like I, I think it has oh, to be. Oh, uh, are you saying you're good in everything? Is that why? Oh, well, the, no, look it's at definitely this. not the case. But uh, like, you're so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's not what I'm saying, but like, I think for, and I'm gonna I'm gonna out myself here, and I'm gonna speak for the layman. Um, I think for Americans, their scope of like sports only orbits the things that we operate in, like NBA, NFL, hockey, everything else just doesn't even like come on the radar. It feels like right, it's. Nothing, nothing blips on the radar of like what is considered a sport. People say like, 
like soccer obviously is a huge sport and i think that's like maybe the attack vector that you can approach here but like nobody would i don't think anybody if if you went on the street in austin texas and was like name 12 sports people would get to like 10 11 12 because like that's not just something that you think about on a day-to-day -day basis so it's it's a very odd question i think um but to answer it yeah probably i don't think that most people pay attention to things that their countries aren't very good at um that was a tangent. I forgot where I was going with this. Um, that said, though, there are some there are some faults here. I, I agree that this is kind of a an archaic view of you know what the World Cup could be or should be. Again, if you know, I'm going to talk about how it you know is a representation of maybe the original view of Overwatch esports. Um, maybe it needs to be updated because we don't have the geolocated model. Like you said, we don't have like these big regional, we don't, we don't have the, these 32 teams that Nate Nanzer kind of wanted to, you know, run around with these numbers. And we don't have all these teams and franchises all across the globe to kind of facilitate, um, a world cup structure. And I, and I love the point about, you know, the region locking, because I think that would also play well within to supporting a world cup system and, and scale that up as well. Um, but I do think there is some some positives there. Obviously, there are some negatives. Um, and speaking of those, we do have more information regarding the wild card, not so open qualifier. Um, I think. Let me double check the blog post before I throw some shade at Blizzard that they don't deserve. Um, so in one of the paragraphs in the original Overwatch World Cup 2023 update, they say, and I quote, in addition to the 36 selected countries and regions, the 2023 Overwatch World Cup will have a wildcard challenge that will award four additional spots for teams to compete. Details around the wildcard challenge will be published in February. Um, that is that is verbatim what is written per Blizzard PR, right? I think a lot of individuals in the community read that and said, okay, cool, this is an open qualifier. Not, not the case. That is that is just not the case. Yep. Um, because the information that was provided today on the OverwatchWorldCup.com website uh, lists the wildcard challenge as a six EMEC uh, Europe. I don't know what that stands for, but most of the European regions and other neighboring countries. Um, basically, six teams that were on the cusp is the term that they use based on player data. Uh, are chosen and they will be the ones to compete for the four slots available. Um, and there are quite a few countries that are missing, sadly. Um, and you're probably waking up to or have already seen um, some some players speaking out on behalf of not being able to even participate in the World Cup, which I think is uh, disappointing. So I want to open a discussion here regarding if this is the right move or just a logistical you know, sacrifice that has to be made. Is this something that, you know, you'd like to see remedied or is this just the way things have to be right now? I think like it's probably how things have to be right now just because mm. you then, I'm gonna I'm keep it a stack with you. Like the, the resources invested into getting everyone in and for fairness is rarely yeah. worth uh, the, the investment, right? Like, sure. You, I'd much rather have like them fly out more teams, um, and have more compete at LAN 
and hopefully at BlizzCon, mm-hmm. then have them invest and like hire additional folks to like or hire a third party or whatever it would take, um, and spend money there in order to get more chances for these people. It just seems like a more efficacious, uh, you know, investment of funds, even though it sucks from a competitive uh, point of view, of course, for those guys that don't get to participate. What I do have an issue with is, once again, the communication of that. That could have been absolutely like part of the first blog spot because I assume that everyone of those wildcard teams was just getting excited that they were going to be uh, um, invited, we're going to have uh, like a chance based on the verbiage of of that first uh, article when we re-announced the World Cup and even the following ones outlining the system where Mm -hmm. you could have just said that that's what you're doing and then the expectation, like, just rip the bandaid off. I-, I think, like, what probably might have happened is that a lot of those countries that won't be invited to these wildcard tournaments already had like internal uh, talks going on. Like, oh yeah, I'll I'll apply, or I'm excited about this. Let's see. Let's already bunch up with a bunch of players because we already know that a bunch of these European teams were, you know, congregating and. Tr- trying to f- figure out oh, like sure, who yeah. wants to play with each other U Cup, and there was already kind of like a, a pre world cup for you that has been kind of going on for a little bit so yeah so this is i think more so than i mean of course like it's this is always going to be controversial in terms of like how how you invest the money because a lot of folks probably just like the fairness aspect of it i think the better ex- entertainment uh, experience is focusing on that Fair enough if you disagree on that. But I think it's really hard to argue that the uh, communication of that fact has not been botched here. And we should have just had that information immediately. I'll do you one better. Um, I don't even know if this is necessarily... I agree that the communication isn't great. Um, but when I read that initial blog post, and even from information that you know I've parsed through mm-hmm. talking to some people... Um, I think this was an immediate remedy to even try to include more. Um, I don't think that this was in the initial plans for the World Cup. I think this was kind of a an oversight or a a potential Band-Aid fix to try to include as many teams as they possibly could. Um, and this is the solution that they kind of came up with was like a wild, a selective wild card event that, you know, I think a lot of people hoped that it was going to be open um unfortunately that's not the case and they just tried to include as many again on the cusp teams according to overwatch 2 player population data included mm-hmm. um because it, it strikes me as odd especially when you read that initial blog post and you get all this detailed information it's like yeah well we'll give you more information about the wild card stuff when we figure it out because we don't know what that looks like just yet because that just got added at least in my mind that's how i read that mm-hmm. So as much as yes, that that should be communicated, I almost don't know that that was ever something they even planned for. Um, and I and I have to wonder that in in a very similar sense that these wild card events are probably going to be very hard to follow. Right? This this wild card challenge is probably not going to get a ton of. Again, my expectation is probably this is not going to receive a ton of attention. It probably won't have a, an official broadcast. Would be my guess. Because I, 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 my assumption is that I don't think that this was included initially, uh, or this I don't think this wild card esque addition to the World Cup was ever like 
on Blizzard's radar, and this was kind of a Band-Aid slap-on, so they're probably having to skeleton crew this, try to get it together as best they can. They can't do it super big because they don't have any budget allocated to it, that would be my guess, and these are the teams that were selected based on, you know, the pre-established, you know, precedent that the original, you know, I think 36 teams was the number. Um, they were invited also by the, the Overwatch 2 player data, so it's, it's tough. Um, so yeah, it sucks, right? It's it's really unfortunate, and I agree. It's probably the way things have to be for right now. Um, and in a really kind of twisted way, even if we were to go and circle back to, you know, maybe if the World Cup for 2024 is this zoomed out, you know, continental or, or maybe a little bit more regional based and not necessarily so country based, there's going to be a whole lot of fucking people excluded, right? Sure. How many how many Dragon Eddies or maybe even Hotties, for example, sure. are going to get a, an opportunity if we play for the EU team? The EU national team is going to be very, very like that's the the upper echelon of people. Yes, of course. Hottie now probably has a great opportunity to play for like the EU national team. But in reality, there's a ton of names under him that won't have any kind of opportunity. So as as terrible as it is for like, you know, those in countries that aren't necessarily uh haven't been selected for this year um and this is like so unfair to say to them <laughs> it is kind of a trolley experiment right you're, you're trying to limit the suffering as uh, of many as many people uh, as possible because you are giving a lot of opportunity to people who wouldn't necessarily get it and it's not fair to say hey your sacrifice is going to help foster you know the next generation of italian players or you know spanish players you know countries that I, god bless them historically haven't necessarily been super performers when it comes to the world cup but it, it's it, it it helps everybody in that way and it's not fair again it's not fair at all to say that like oh you're your hopes and dreams aren't good enough so you know you have to take the bullet and we have to take you behind the barn for the good of you know the game um but yeah i i too also have to side on the 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 air of you know this is just the way things have to be right now hopefully we can include everybody like we used to hopefully blizzard hears the your your feedback your your cries at you know this is unfair because there are a lot of very competitive teams that haven't you know aren't, aren't included i think you know for example, Russia is, is is out of the picture. I think they've always been historically very, very talented. Um, I think I think I saw Psycho posting about how Austria is not available. You know, they, they can't compete. I can't remember off the top of my head. And even saying that, I can't imagine that they've they were extremely strong performers in, in World Cups past. So it's it's tough. Um, but it, there's no good solution here, I think. And I think. I commend Blizzard if I'm right in saying that this is that the wild card system has been in an, an addition to an emergency addition to some feedback that they heard internally. So I think that that's a an, an add a, a good good job on Blizzard if that is the case. Um, but it's also not perfect, and hopefully, you know, we we can get some you know communication there. Uh, you know, these devs are running around. JSPAC's running around. Hopefully we get some more communication as to why some teams weren't, you know, included. Maybe not necessarily why, because we 
pretty much know why it's the player data. Um, but you know, I don't know. I don't know what you can say to these teams, but I don't know. I mean, more communication is probably always a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. So. Sucks. Sucks to suck. World Cup. Um, it is exciting, though. I think a lot of people are super excited to get in the, the, the spirit of it. I think um, a lot of just average Overwatch players are going to be super enticed by it, especially with you know the, the challenges coming out. Um, apparently there's custom cosmetics. There's going to be a leaderboard that tracks progress, you know, doing, you know, I, I guess it's probably going to be something similar to like the Olympus technology that we got this overwatch. I mean, that would be dope. Yeah. Where you're completing progress for your countries and, you know, you can. Yeah. If that's organically supported, why are we doing this for World Cup and Overwatch League again? I, again, like maybe this is just tech that they've been waiting to roll out for Overwatch 2 would be my guess. <laughs> I didn't know this, and you just made me mad. Okay, I'm just reading what Eric's dumping in the chat. Yeah, no, I mean, not you personally, but the fact no, that no, I know. <laughs> it would be this well-supported while Overwatch League isn't. Um, yeah, okay, we'll see. I, I again i think that like the challenges will be successful hopefully the feedback from the general population is that you know these you know activations as as buzzwordy as that sounds for the general populace of the overwatch like fan base is like you know attracted by this is interacting with it is engaged with it that this technology can be you know moved over to the overwatch league because it feels like a very very easily integratable system again i'm not a developer and i'm not trying to like do anybody's job but it feels like really e okay easy is not the word here but it feels very intuitive that's maybe the better word to say hey we're gonna track how many team or how many uh you know s overwatch league team skins get so many kills and we're gonna have a leaderboard based on the the kills that each team got maybe we can break it down by hero and whatever like i think they're i th i have to assume that this technology is like was saved for overwatch 2 that would be my guess and we should be getting um some integrations like that um you know coming in the future for the overwatch league i would hope i would hope yeah Okay, fair enough. I guess it's not too much of a time investment, I suppose. Like reading through it, reads yeah. like the the particular skin that they're getting is probably like akin to the efforts that you generally got through the skins provided to the winners of the Overwatch League. So fair enough. Maybe maybe it's mm -hmm. just equal effort, but even equal effort feels a little offensive to me in terms of like how serious the Overwatch League should sure. be treated by this game right like i mm -hmm. ideally like maybe that's in the works and whatnot um uh it would surprise me if it b became a large extent because presumably that would have been communicated to uh an all ownership level um but i feel like uh, like that just more of a support for the overwatch league in the game proper would go such a long way. Not just, you know, like MTX for for teams where we can create a revenue pipeline, which definitely should happen. And by the way, I just wrote a news today on uh, on PUBG esports. Interestingly, by the way, uh, mm -hmm. 
and Genji is one of the partners teams for 2023 and they are getting MTX and uh, revenue share for team skins right off the bat for those partnership teams so um, of course like I, I think to a certain degree this probably already happens but um, yeah I, I think in Overwatch I mean um, so yeah we'll we'll see it's um it's it's definitely like a long way to convince developers that their eSport is a valuable asset to their product. And it makes sense that especially publicly traded companies cannot be enticed to take that same risk while someone like Riot can, you know, spend much more on uh, on their investments there. Um, mm-hmm. And really craft something cool and unique every year and also you know think wide and creatively what the world's experience should be um i, I just wish we had that as well and would inter- a client integration goes a long way i feel like am i wrong to think like the glee client has constantly like worlds plastered and you get the skins and you can watch through the client and like oh, the- I'll do you one better. I think the the Riot client in general for League of Legends like does a better job at promoting the esports even at a domestic level, right? Like if I load right. up, do it right now. I'm gonna load up. Um, as I say this before, I my computer blue screens. Um, if I can find it, oh, there's okay. This is the League PBE. Let me see if I can load this up. Oh no, here's League of Legends. There we go. Um. I think what they do really well is they just plaster even domestic stuff. Like, I don't know how many times in the past that I would see like, you know, Bjergsen versus Doublelift, you know, oh, the Clash of the Titans, like just right front and center before you even click the play button, right? Yeah, I mean... And that's, 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 that's again, separated from Worlds. Worlds, you would, you would hope and assume that that would be the case, right? Like, you would hope that the World Championships would be, you know, advertised everywhere you could advertise it. But I think they're even doing that and tailoring it to the region that you're like logging into. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, but I agree. Like you, you, we should see more client integration. We should, you know, if, if esports is this marketing tool that, you know, we're kind of, that's the problem though. Right. The, it isn't it, seen it, as such. You don't think so? It isn't. Maybe, I mean, maybe it isn't. It isn't seen as such. Like I think that that was something. I mean, and of course, there's a certain bias there. Um, that owner, or but rather, like the panelists, and specifically, okay, I, I think Grant, like felt like yeah. they're yeah. like uh, an esport like um, League of Legends has just mm-hmm. a much higher priority in the development cycle of League of Legends. Than it ever would uh, for Overwatch, right? Like uh, for Blizzard, um, yeah, Overwatch League, right? Yes, so the, yes. the 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 marketing argument there, and no question asked, like that league. I'm not sure if it's cost effective what they're doing with the eSport. I think there's a there's probably an argument to be made that that's not cost effective, and they are paying premium for the exposure that they're getting through the eSports teams presumably hoping that this will eventually pay off as they get a complete stranglehold on the thing that is esports but like um 
yeah, we're not taking those bets, despite having a sizable investment, um, as Jacob yes. Wolf once again recently reported, with like some folks like spending as much as sixteen million at this point, in both franchise yeah. fees and overhead costs from from players and whatnot, so mm-hmm. operational costs. Um, yeah, yeah I, that doesn't seem like a, a market expense, and I agree. Like the way that this all was pitched initially does not scream marketing expense. Um, obviously, different economy, different time and a place, different, you know, era of history, right? This is pre, pre, pre-COVID, right? Like it, it everything is, is so much different now. Um, but I oh, couldn't agree more that this is um, the, the, the infrastructure that we've built our esports league upon is not under the pretense of a marketing expense so much as it is like this its own individual thing because there was still those that assumed it could be that but i think the overall landscape especially these days post covid post maybe even you know in the midst of a recession depending on who you ask um i think we have to kind of hide under the rock of a marketing expense now um and i think we have to shift um, in that direction. And I think that also could be why we're starting to see the World Cup come back. Obviously, yes, this is, you know, one of the first years that, you know, the world is kind of a little bit more open. That also has to do with it. Um, but I think as we see the world, more information regarding the World Cup rollout, I think people might be surprised at how much, you know, they're wanting to invest in something that is a little bit archaic when it comes to, you know, the overall scope of of Overwatch esports in, in general, because I, I think that this is a part of it, right? And I think it, this, more so than anything else, is probably the most cost-effective way to celebrate Overwatch esports and try to cater to that that crowd that would, you know, be more engaged, I suppose, is the best way I can articulate it at this point. Um, sure. And, and you know, marketed to, right? That your tar- your target audience is probably more within the World Cup crowd, sadly, um, than it is with Overwatch League right now. And I think that's a that's a problem. I think that there's like significant steps to be made when it comes to Overwatch League to try to get in touch with the the viewer, as as general as that sounds. And it's not on the teams necessarily per se, um, even though I think. You know, I I can't blame the teams. They they like you said, sixteen million. Nobody's making any money. Why add another bill? Like I I can't fault them for it. Um, it's it's just a it's a crap crummy situation all around, and it's tough to make much movement. That's where you kind of have to look at Blizzard as the the culprit here. Sure, yeah. stuff not. But yes, World Cup is uh, is is coming again. I, as much as maybe that sounds kind of poo-pooing World Cup, I think it is going to be an exciting time. I certainly will watch. I certainly will be participating. There could be a couple of good games for sure. One hundred percent, there will be. The, the will there be a lot of them? Probably not. Yeah. Um, but these are going to be fun games, right? These are going to be fun to kind of rally around the individuals or the you know the valedictorians, the 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 front runners from maybe each country, maybe interviewing some of these teams, getting maybe even from, you know, my own journalistic point of view, yours as well, 
like getting maybe entrenched with a team and like maybe trying to bring out the personalities of these teams because again one of the beauties of the world cup is to discover unknown talent and maybe they're not the best players but they're people who you kind of want to root for right um be it for a story or you know be it for you know their actual skill that you know they've slipped through the cracks and somebody hasn't discovered this kid from Estonia that is you know this crazy good player right like who knows right they're 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 always um I think people are always capable of creating or not creating but like having stories that you know resonate with with others so it'll be it'll be interesting to see is that kind of on your radar at all are you dabbling with any ideas for World Cup hell no <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I, I'm sure we'll do something about it, um, but yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Like, I'll probably do, like maybe interview some of the, the sure. like once the top teams have crystallized. But I think like in terms of yeah, yeah. sheer coverage, well, we'll see. Maybe, maybe it's it. Of course, like we have to go where where the audience interest is. Maybe I'm underestimating just based on my own feeling how it's going. Um, mm. It's not something that's on my mind right now. Maybe it should be. But uh, yeah, I'll figure it. Well, we'll figure it out uh, when we get there. I think. Sure, of course. Amongst other news, we did have some interesting developer updates regarding a whole bunch of things. Um, there's some competitive updates. Yiska, are you excited to know that you won't need to play seven games to get a competitive update regarding your ranking? You need to play five or win five and lose fifteen instead of twenty. Is that? A step in the right direction, or would you just rather SR come back? Um, well, it's a step in the direction where they tell me after every game where I went. Um, so that's, I guess, is good. Um, sure. Look, I'm I'm just trying to snipe some dopamine. Okay, that's what I'm sure. trying to achieve. I want a yep. number. Give me a juicy number. Plus twenty seven when I generally get plus nineteen. Pog. Uh -huh. That's that's why I. Um, or like the anticipation of, uh, oh, hopefully that doesn't hurt hurt my MMRs. My oh, minus twenty three. Oh my god. You know, like that's that's a good uh, you know dopamine fast right there. I personally like that. The why am I delaying gratification in my gaming, dude? That's the one part where I shouldn't be an adult about it. Like you're right. You're you're right. You shouldn't have to wait. Um, and the more that I'm currently sitting and thinking of this, because I'm going to be completely, I'm going to keep it a stack to use Yuska's, you know, Zoomer terminology. Uh, don't actively think about why companies do this, but, you know, the fact that it hit me right now, I think says a lot. Um, they don't want you to snipe it. It's not in their best interest to have you snipe your dopamine. They want to keep you engaged for as long as possible without it being overly I, I think that doesn't work for me because you know what happens once I hit the threshold where I can see the rank? I uh -huh. log off for two weeks. <laughs> I think I think Down that's you. Downgrade and like now I, I can't like I'll need to play through presumably at least 10 matches or beforehand like on average 14 matches in order to have another of those dopamine shots. Right. Nah. Yes. Goodbye. Like, I, I'm not I, opening. I think there is a section of the community that agrees with you, but I also think that there are some uh, 
bad actors that say that they'll want to do that but then they just rage try to get another five wins in to try to get another dopamine shot of like getting sure. their rank i, I think you know, i think realistically this is well i think your interpretation of the intention behind this feature is probably a little bit more nefarious than i would expect the real reason to be i think they just try to combat rank anxiety and uh, try to lessen the blow of an immediate loss. Um, and the thing is, like, I, it just led to a lot of, as they said, like, lack of comprehension of how the rank system works, even more than it already previously did. People don't sure. understand ELO systems. I know they don't. And, like, the fact that they still have to come out or they feel the need to come out and be like, why are you putting me in the loser's queue? It's like, what? Who? Yeah, yeah. I've never heard that terminology before. Like, what? Yeah. Like, I, I feel for the devs that have to, like, try to explain this to people because, A, where are you getting that from? Who is who is trying to, like, peddle this? And B, why do you think it's the well, devs' job to explain uh, to you look, why you aren't climbing? I think there was something, like, a... I'm remembering something, and don't nail me to this, but there was a... um. What's it called when you an intellectual property when you a patent <laughs> for um for like from Activision Blizzard a while, uh, a while ago where they did something with matchmaking and manipulation of who you play against in order to maximize like uh you know uh, excitement uh, and it it came off a little more nefarious in wording than it probably was. That that's my recollection of it, um, or my conclusion. That's that's how I structure my life. I look at the thing, and the only thing my mind remembers is the conclusion that I drew at three a.m. Uh, after like two liters of uh, caffeine and um, you know, a, a desperate lack of sleep. Um, but generally generally speaking, like. I think there there probably are reasons to distrust the integrity of the ranked system. I think there were probably also were probably some buggy things in in there that I didn't see acknowledged. Maybe not. Maybe there's just like some very outlier observations that just sometimes will happen. Um, but yeah, I, I think in general the the many factors that go into your ranking is probably a little bit overwhelming for the majority to aggregate and like think of in when they recollect how their last couple of matches went so mm -hmm. while i see the benefit in in trying to you know keep people from having ranked anxiety i think realistically if your average amount, like seven wins, means at, at, a, at a target rate of 50% win rate, means 14 games on average, that the average player ideally would play in order to get a newer ranked unlock, that's not a, an amount of games that you play in one or two days. So yeah. how realistic is it that you have an, even like a resemblance of recollection, how all of your games went, and that you aren't surprised where your rank went after the fact, after it uh, course corrects, right? Like, mm. there's there's no way... Like, if I'm playing two games on Monday, and then, like, maybe I play two on Tuesday, and then maybe towards the weekend I get my 14 in, I don't remember my Monday, how, how I fed on Monday and Tuesday, right? Like, and then I'm like, 
wait, I I'm pogged off this weekend. Like my my uh my Carrie friend on on his Smurf was on and like carried me. How how did I demote or whatever, right? And it's like, well, it's it's hard to recollect and aggregate like their performances over over such a large volume of games, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's not just poor comprehension. It's also also expecting people to aggregate in a way that um, makes makes it like feel rewarding and or sensical, even emotionally. I think you you hit the nail on the head with the word rewarding. I don't think that ranked is properly rewarded. I don't think you are accurately incentivized to play any kind of ranked. Period. The end. I think you had an interview that we've referenced a couple times on the show now with Shockwave where it's just like, why why do you want to climb to rank one? Just to have bragging yeah. rights, right? I mean, yeah, like, th- th- that's that's another thing. Like, they fortunately fixed this. I think top 500 gets immediate updates now. So that's fine. Like, the 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 top is figured out, right? In, in terms of... Like, I think it could be figured out a whole lot more. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yes, you can give could more... Be more benefits and whatnot that, that all like uh, there's such a yeah it's a nice carrot on a stick it, in the grand scheme of uh, competition i think it's less so important um i think this is just a fundamental problem of like how you design your competitive experience and uh, what kind of emotions you're trying to guard your audience from and what kind of just like uh, ex- uh comorbidities i guess you have uh, mm. coming alongside your change, and I'm not sure if that uh, trade-off was worth it. I, I would be super interested how many uh, matches on average uh, the average Overwatch player plays, or the median, because I could totally see that people probably in two weeks in order to get a ranked update. You can't remember the game that you played two weeks yeah. before, right? I think it, I think it severely depends on I'm going to be completely honest with you. I think it really depends on if you actually play with anybody. I think for the like actual solo players who at, like have nobody to play with and only solo queue ranked. Right. I agree with you. It probably takes, you know, maybe multiple weeks to try to get a ranked update, which is just entirely too long. You there's a dopamine fast, like it's just not enough, which makes me have to assume that this is just like uh, a metrics buffer that you know, Blizzard's engineered, and it is kind of interesting, and it is like uncharted territory to like deviate away from like your standard like Elo thing. And I understand that a lot of the PR around it has been like against like ranked anxiety, and I think that's like a noble cause. It's hard for me to decouple away from a, a corporation not trying to like juice their numbers with any kind of like dopamine engineering you know what i mean like try to keep you, you gotta you gotta you gotta stay yeah, competitive right. right like it's not even yep. like everybody's doing it as so ne- yeah as nefarious as you f- think it is like your app is doing that like yep. overwatch is competing with tiktok my guy like this is 2023 <laughs> wake up Shit. I, that, but that's what i'm saying like it can't be viewed as like maybe maybe i'm nitpicking it being nefarious and i think that's fair but if we're also going to say that everybody's doing this, then is it really like nefarious or is it just the lay of the land? Like, are we really surprised that like it can be both? Trying, like, it can be both. It uh, can right, always exactly. be both in in what <laughs> hellscape we're living in. <laughs> True. <laughs> so it's like, you know, is it ranked anxiety? You know, is it a a, a 
under is it a comprehension thing i think you use that term um or is it an is it maybe it'll it's a little bit of column a column b column c i think it's a little bit more incentivized or uh, there's a lot of lack of incentivization at the top level even at the mid level um i think people don't i'm going to i'm going to do some big napkin math here i'm going to do some large assumptions for all the timmies in the chat big assumptions incoming so brace yourselves um i think overwatch has a terrible terrible population to like ranked index right like i do not think a an acceptable number of like the mm. general audience of the game that's another thing like yeah. sniffs the fart of a ranked ladder yeah yeah why no. is that yeah no that that's definitely probably true I, I i then again i don't think it's that big of a problem um i think that's probably it's one a, of it's the a big problem for the competitive side of things sure like i think what 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 is happening is like that they probably saw that and that's one of the reasons they have this system in place because like they, they like look at the reasons why would people not queue competitive why and instead they? play quick uh quick play why would they? well they would because what am i, chasing? What am I getting well, like anything cool. presumably a more serious, more structured, less chaotic. You would, you would hope more streamlined experience of uh, competition sure. that yeah. you are striving towards, like bettering yourself, like you're enjoying the 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 matching of the minds there. Yeah, and the like. I agree with you that the carrot probably is not strong enough. That's definitely one of the levers that you got to pull. But the other one is like maybe. Oh my God, it's actually kind of scary. To play this sure and ranked anxiety is is a thing that has been true it for is. like a long time in in competitive gaming right like when, when you wants to lose the rank you you get to your peak and you don't yeah. want to lose it yeah and um that, i mean that makes that that makes some sense i just don't know if we're really outpacing whatever we're losing uh through the, the delayed gratification there um yeah and I think like Overwatch it seems to have recognized this. Like they they definitely said like we recognize that the experience or the, the feedback is that the experience hasn't been rewarding enough. I think they probably also see that in the player numbers that are logging in. I'm pro I'm sure they're like not super amazed that this is the season first season coming up without a hero and they player base probably already dropped off the planet. In terms of which is to be expected, right? Like when a game new new game launches, you have spikes at the start and then it um, drops off heavily. But I think I don't know. It's super hard to intuit uh, the situation. I would say that it, it's probably a harder drop than they anticipated. I, for myself, from from my own experience. I feel like I'm I'm myself ex surprised how little staying power Overwatch 2 had in my daily consumption of video games. Sure. Like the, I'm definitely feeling the re lack of reward and it seems like that my social circle has also gravitated away from it. So like even the social aspect is, of it is uh diminishing to a certain degree where even the most hardcore crack fiends of Overwatch that play like several hours a day have now pr practically uh, entirely stopped playing for for the moment. So 
I think I think we're having some some issues with the carrot of uh, of the game. I think the core, core gameplay is probably. I feel like a lot of the complaints we see with the core gameplay is just a boredom with the entire ecosystem and yeah. like us expressing or misattributing our lack of uh, enjoyment in in just like not having these these FOMO and n- not just FOMO or in devious uh, systems, but just like l- legitimate things to do in the game and to achieve and to grind towards and. Like all of that is like seems so weak on the chest for for Overwatch, right? Overwatch since its inception has been an incredibly shallow game. Have we gotten better? Yes, I think the battle pass has helped. Um, Maybe in some sense, this new generation of like Overwatch accessible players that are trying the game, falling in love with the game, maybe grinding out all the heroes and like playing all those games that you have to get the heroes and unlock them. Like that'll help at least, you know, give you a carrot because there really isn't much help. And I think that that will always be my, my, you know, attack vector in discussions like this. We have nothing to work for. We have no like, and again, I'm not getting into kind of any kind of balanced discussions, but there's nothing to unlock. There's no perks to get. There's no prestiging. There's no guns to unlock. There's there's nothing to kind of work towards. There's no carrot. You just play the game because you like playing the game. And sometimes that's enough. In modern gaming, I don't. That's the game. You know, probably change for PvE, but that's TBD. You know what? What? Okay, I'll hit you with the exact counter example that you probably wouldn't necessarily immediately think of. But a a game that had the all-time greatest carrot on the stick trying to emulate it, like, goated incentive structure in terms of a wide audience appeal was Pokemon Go. And it's not just intrinsically through the game, but what it made culturally. So... How were you incentivized to grind Pokemon Go? Well, to go outside, walk around. It, it, it gave you the the impression, or rather, actually, like made you exercise in some way. Sure. It made you reconnect with like a nostalgic feeling. It made you connect socially. Now you're like in a social environment, talking to people that you probably rather like. Even introverts were talking to other folks. And then came the other systems around. Dude, I could get a free subway because I was a particular level in Pokemon Go for a while right. in Germany, right? And like all the that has nothing to do with the core gameplay. It actually sucked in comparison. It wasn't that fun, no. right? Like they, 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 okay, the idea of like walking around and like the first like glimpses of the average normie's understanding of AR. Or augmented reality to a degree was happening there and yeah. you, like you were fusing like your physical environment with video games which is kind of like a almost like the avatar effect where you know the content of avatar's garbage the technology around it is amazing for the time it w- was initially launched um i feel like we, if that is the one part of the spectrum Overwatch as a modern game in in terms of its competitors has to be on the other side of any um, live service game where Mm -hmm. like you can get away like it's totally fine and I think Blizzard excels at being the game or creating the games that you uninstall every 
uh, like uninstall yep. or you play it, you uninstall yep. it eight months later, you, there's an update, you're getting back on that. That's not a live service game experience that you want no. for your game. <laughs> no, I, I this is it's it's comical that you're bringing this up because I there is a there's a deep part of my soul right now that I'm like, bro, I am so bored with gaming. I'm almost gonna go back to Diablo three yeah. for like the eighteenth time. Same. For my for my month binge of Diablo three and then uninstall it and forget it exists until yep. Diablo four comes out. Yep. Yeah. Like I you're so you're so entirely correct and that's built on like the, the the blizzard of old and that polish and they create good games but for whatever reason this company has walked into the modern age of gaming so slowly so blizzard slowly um that awesome. that it is it is frustrating to to try to get it's those those orbiting tertiary it's, like give us a subway give us give us something to go and do it's also so misaligned on everything like it's sure. like how we talked about like the misalignment of like the competitive structure of world cup to sure. the realities of e of watch esports now zoom out into the macro like the the alignment of a in an esports league of a title that wasn't after, free to play for the first five seasons of, of its competitive structure is crazy talk. Like your your systems are not aligned. You slapped an esports onto that and didn't create none of the uh, the sensible systems of like you know um, a live service update that you def most definitely need. Right? Like it, it feels like this is just like this humongous like it's like a dark souls boss that just has like some limb slapped to its carcass and it's just like trotting around here we have an esports and here we have like uh, you know we're getting the pvp arm as well like in phase two you know we're slapping it on and it's like oh no and, and the player is just like yeah I'm, I'm having a real dark souls experience here because i feel fucking like rolled oh, over yeah. and like shed on by by this game's ecosystem where it's no coherent like developmental foresight into where I want to go it's like oh yeah we have a video game and that esports thing eh you know like it meanwhile Riot is like okay there's a competitive shooter that's having a lot of market share and it's, it's very old maybe we can give it our own fresh uh, coat of paint and then we structure the entire leagues around that, and we structure like um, we, we built upon existing systems that we've uh, like you know raised from the ground in terms of League of Legends. We have these studios and this like they are actually working within the real world of of things, and there's very little fat in comparison to like the ex external things. Like you don't see necessarily like Riot being too much like okay let's do what Fortnite does and just like introduce like all oh, like oh the rock and valorant and whatnot like <laughs> you know like that's such that if that was to happen like that would be such a blizzard move like oh my god let's uh, we did the the competitor analysis and let's slap that feature onto on top and like yes. it's just like yeah. mm, okay now the dark souls boss just has seven phases okay like i'm, I'm just rolled <laughs> no i i i would probably argue that riots games tend to actually have a lot of fat but it's not like intrusive like there's a lot of like in the most pure sense of like cooking 
there's a lot of like butter involved in Riot's recipes and it adds a lot of like flavor for everybody, right? Like it, it transports a lot of flavor for the general audience where you're getting all these cool skins and it's very in tune with like what you're already interested in. So it's a lot of like cultural references. It's a lot of like weeb stuff. It's a lot of anime. It's a lot of, you know, everything pop culture related. And like, yes, Fortnite is very fatty as well because like you said, the rocks in there and Naruto and like every, any, you know, <laughs> any kind of like, gaming adjacent medium is probably in Fortnite. I think in a f fucked up way, Overwatch and Blizzard needs a dose of that. And I think they're starting to come around to it. And I think you know where I'm headed with this, right? Um, we need other things to do. Overwatch needs other things to do. It's a shallow game. People want to love the game. Give them other avenues to love the game does that make sense sure but what about dj khaled at blizzcon again? <laughs> okay that's that that is that is a that is an extra arm on the patchwork fight which i think was an actually like an uh, ironically beautiful uh example that you gave and we can get into why that is later because we're already going long and we need to get to shanghai because apparently the rumor is spinning about the shanghai dragons this year um so says halo of thoughts mm-hmm Apparently, Bebe's possibly going to be an assistant coach, and apparently, Fleta what a backgetter! Legendary backgetter. <laughs> he is actual. I mean, the man, the man with the, the best smile in esports better be a backgetter. If there was anybody who was gonna be a backgetter, it better be fucking Bebe. Cra right? Crazy amounts of just ability to continuously get paid in an esports where nobody does. It's, it's nuts. <laughs> Yeah, I respect it, dude. Like this is you got to, yeah. you have to. My my XX boys stay getting stacks. Okay, they got bands on bands. Choi's got two titles. God bless Time Boy. God's be people like him. Bebe's like still kicking. Like I'm here for it. Yeah, the, the, the thing it. is, like Choi carried the team. Bebe carries the That's water. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he carries the bank account in his wallet. That's where he carries. Oh, dude! <laughs> Water on I mean, me like a sauna. It's big one, you know. <laughs> it, what are you, you going to do? You know, Nettie's ain't doing so hot with relations with Blizzard. Yeah. We're seeing more players transition into coaching. Moon's probably going to need some help to, you know, make this roster runnable. Um. And and I think Halo continues to talk about how, you know, Fleta may come back, but apparently is going through a trial process that, you know, is... As he should. Like, I think yeah. one big yep. thing that you gotta uh, figure out at this point is like, yeah, is your heart still in it? You know? Sure. That's... This kid's been going since day one, it feels like. Fleta's been going hard in Overwatch. Yeah. The original diamond in the rough, right? Like, this kid defined Team Jail. Yeah. for years it felt like yeah, and yeah. we're going into a new game 2024 on the horizon not 2024 but like the 2023 season on the horizon like he's been at it since the start you have to question if you're you're really still in it sure yeah i mean we'll see uh like dude i'm so duma pilled on apac we will we will see like i feel like uh, it's it's NA viewers are feasting. I 
I'm I'm wondering where this is going. It could, it, yeah. We'll we'll see. This is one of where we have to play by ear in terms of like how yeah. this develops. Well, okay. Let me let me throw this at you then, because obviously we have not heard much developments out of APAC outside of like maybe Spark. Um, we've had you know the Infernals rebrand, but outside of that, it's been pretty much radio silence. We're getting at least some developments regarding Shanghai coming through Halo's pipeline. Mm -hmm. But when we look at this team, it's kind of already a carcass, right? Lip's gone. Izzyaki and Lee Jae gone are in Boston. Molly's retired. Bebe's possibly a coach. Void retired. Do you keep anybody? Do you, do you, do you want to reassign fate? Is that somebody who you put through trials? Probably. Who else? Who are you? Is that somebody you put through trials? I sure. have to say yeah. Sure. Homie can play Genji. Dude, like once again, we're back to uh like the first topic we talked about. There's nobody yep. who else? Well, okay, see, that's where I think this is the inverse of the topic, where it's like we have a bunch of old heads that mm. like are good, but I'm almost more keen on trying to find the who else than just re-upping a who are you contract. You know what I mean? Or like taking on Fleta for, you know, the farewell tour. Sure. You know, like, I'd rather grab a rookie. The thing is, like, are you really at this point trying to invest in multi-season projects of like trying to figure out who the diamonds and the rough are and giving these kids playtime? Or are you giving... You know, the, the legends of the game in Last Hurrah. It's tough. I I I can see I can see pretty much one angle for this, and it's probably trying to make as big of a stand as you can with the time that you have, right? Especially for the Apex teams, because like you're saying, it's they have to figure something out. It's not it's not cleanly um in apac with you know mainland china not being able to access from my understanding at least um most activision blizzard products like yeah. that's just a huge detriment to that ecosystem as a whole um and without that things get tricky are there solutions possibly there could be but we don't know the efficacy of those solutions as they stand right now they sound great on paper but i don't know how that works out Maybe it's maybe it's a hit. Maybe it's you know, maybe it's fantastic, and we're all fine and dandy. But I think a lot of those solutions that people have kind of talked about, um, we've never really seen tested. I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I'm also. Can I be honest? Zero I, excited oh. for the Shanghai Dragons. <laughs> I mean, there's 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 literally nothing to be excited about. Yeah, they have no one. Like if it, it'd be a different story if they started, uh, and, and they can't have anyone. Like nobody they could sign to have me pog. Like top okay. dragon maybe. Uh, That's else. The, yeah. If if they were like the ones to kind of land top dragon, I think that that would be excitable, right? Uh, who else I, is I, there? Fitz, Iris, I guess. Like if even if you maybe. were to assemble like the best remaining players and. Like you still would have to de demonstrate to me that they care enough to, you know, give give like sure. pelican level effort, and then I might grow to care. Upon mm -hmm. signing, I don't know. 
Like, not in contrast to the shocks of the world, the Atlantis of the world, yes. the Houston's of the world. No, not, not even against the Sparks. I mean, yes, that's <laughs> that goes without saying. I think the Spark, um, in a weirdly, again, I think 2023 is going to be a lot of weirdness um coming from like the team narratives because like yeah it is an, an exciting time to like want to like watch the the Chang or the Hangzhou spark um whereas maybe expectations have to be shifted for Shanghai Dragons and maybe even APAC as a whole whereas in the past like that was I think you and I both kind of cut our teeth in watching Korean some Chinese some you know APAC you know related content um and and that's slowly not becoming the case which is uh it's unfortunate but i think it's just a, a shift of things um i think shanghai has some possible outs but like many teams they have to start moving right they've they've got to really figure things out they have to act quickly because it doesn't sound like they've been able to um maybe i'm wrong in saying that but mm -hmm. It is tough. It's it doesn't look easy, and maybe Shanghai's legacy is like uh, a top team is dead, right? I, I don't know that we can consider them a top team. Stands obviously that's easy to say right now because they literally don't have a fucking team. I get it, YouTube commenter. But even with what Yiska's saying, with the foresight of looking at the talent pool that we have can can with the free agents available at least publicly you assemble a team that can compete at the shocks level at atlantis level no you shame. know it's yeah it's nearly impossible so when i say that the shanghai dragons like world class legacy is pretty much buried at this point it's for you know it's it's measurable reasons this isn't just a knee-jerk reaction it's just kind of the lay of the land like there's not much you can do there, oh, it's, it's it's worse than that joe it's like even if you sign like if you put the literal uh san francisco shock into apac uh -huh. and yeah there's some interesting um developments there that the issue i'm about to outline is less severe than it might appear at this point but your mm -hmm. practice is also going to be supper in comparison to NA teams. Okay. And once you sure. then meet them at international events, you get your shit kicked in. Should. That's for... Like that's, you, that's to be expected. Put, put the best players in the world, the best team in the world, in an environment of no competition and see them degrade to like levels of like outside of top five in no time. Like, maybe as little as one meta. I think I agree with you in the utmost general sense that, like, if everything was equal, you should always see that APEC is, like, slightly behind. But as we've seen throughout the years, especially when we've been post or mid and post COVID, um, I think the reads are just different and I think we'll always have like really, really interesting takes from both sides of the world. Most of the time, obviously there are very rigid metas that like everybody just is in agreement that like you just play this thing and it's very good and that's all you can play. Um, but I do wonder if it's going to be like readily noticeable 
I guess is maybe the term because it's just going to be so different. That's that's kind of my fallback. Mm. I mean, you can't surprise in a couple of metas and whatnot. Like maybe they're like certain strength of uh, like the situation that they're in. Maybe they're more fluid and maybe they can react a little bit quicker. Though I, I'm not sure if that's true, but um, yeah, all of all of that just comes from the historically better pipeline of access to South Korean talent, which is diminished. And maybe maybe I'm underestimating how depleted Korean contenders is, and maybe it is very strong still. And uh, especially like for for the APAC teams, like being able to scrim there, I think mm -hmm. that like the worst teams in APAC will probably always be better than the strongest teams, uh, the worst teams in and A, oh. just because like they get phased out and have to then scrim like the contenders talent that in no way is better uh, at this point in NA than in contenders either. So mm -hmm. th there's an argument to be made that their lowest lows are going to be as low, and they weren't in season five as well. I think the Valiant and the Charge were both consistently better than you know even the NYXL and oh, definitely you know the uh, Eternals. That's that's probably a property I, I would still ascribe to APAC that they're never going to be bottoming out to the degree that some A teams can. But that's as far as I can feasibly go at this point in time. I think historically I've been always on board with the idea that APAC was is the stronger region by comparison. I think I stopped believing that in season five. Season four it felt true. Um but this year, I, I mean, there's, at this point, there's no reason to believe that they, Season 6 APAC uh, is remotely as strong as NA. No. And there's a, there's a ton of just, like, unfair reasons as to why that is. They're, they're, they're literally playing at a disadvantage right now, right? Like, logistics dictate that this should be the weakest region. Yeah. Period, bar none, end of discussion. Um, will that be the case? That kind of remains to be seen, but you're certainly, it's an uphill battle. That's, that's for damn sure. Right. Again, a whole, a whole like section of the world can't play the video game and has to be, you know, have to be created. A solution has to be created for them to even get there and play a video that, that said video game. Right. It's, that can't be understated. Um, so Yeah. Shanghai fighting an uphill battle. APAC fighting an uphill battle. It's tough out here. Austrian players not being able to play in World Cup fighting an uphill battle. Um, it's it's rough. Um, but we hopefully, you know, should be getting some information soon. Apparently, people have been cooking in the kitchen. So have tweeted the Overwatch League official account. Um, as much as, you know, this send-off as we wrap things up does sound kind of doom and gloomy. It's not necessarily. There's there's some bad things happening. It, it's yeah. Some of it is exciting, depending on how it is uh, going to be implemented and how all this is going to be. I, yeah, it's all about execution. I'm at the end of it. I'm I'm super interested in how it will be received by the community because I've I've yeah. like some of the aspects are going to of course dominate the discussion, and that will shroud a little bit of the issues that I personally see. Mm. Um, and I think we will feel those by the time that we're actively in that moment. Uh, 
I and, and we'll see. I I have a particular uh, problem with like season format, but we'll see. Sure, sure, sure. And again, once you know, Eric's Eric's kind of typing in our, our in our chat here, talking about you know maybe Sean Miller's finished cooking. Season three start next week. I think it's very likely that we will have some developments on that front. What all is developed, whatever, you know, what that dish looks like coming from Casa de Miller, I don't know, but I'm very confident that we will be getting some more information regarding probably the Overwatch League, uh, possibly more World Cup information. Um, maybe i mean obviously season three starts so we'll probably know what the hell season three is about but um on the competitive side of things i'd be i'd be pretty confident in saying probably be getting some some info um and obviously you know stay tuned here we'll probably disseminate it all and try to parse it out and hopefully we'll bring some people on to help us do that but in a news shallow a news desert we did it show we somehow we, we ass pulled, <laughs> pulled two hours out of this on wild tangents like it's 2019 john would be proud of us we are we we are nothing but a beach episode podcast okay <laughs> i want every, i want everybody to know that oh. we are great at going to the beach when we need to yeah. Not that any of this was, I want to make this very clear. None of that was just like trying to make discussion for discussion's oh, sake. Like, uh, we just go there because we're neurodivergent like that. Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully it was interesting um, because yes, there, there has not been a ton to talk about. Um, but next week we should have some stuff. Um, we should hopefully, hopefully have a guest in the works i have a couple people i'm i'm interested to talk to um so we'll we'll see um and yeah got some got some things in the works but yiska what's coming up from you oh dude i did a player panel uh-huh it was always going it was all going so well i got uh-huh. pog guests pog guests we had good great topics the guys yeah. were juicing, and my internet kept crapping out. So I got like so one hour. Okay, I've got one hour of 45 minutes. I think 45 minutes of those are fine. Otherwise, the rest of the recordings are probably like every three minutes, my internet kept lagging for 30 seconds, and it almost becomes... Unlike discernible? Uh, uh, indiscernible speech. Uh, like, okay. And I'm not sure how I'm going to resolve it. We're going to make it work somehow, but yeah, it's not. It's it's going to be s- bad as a listening experience of folks just like consuming it as like a podcast that they want to have on a second monitor. Yeah, because there's very few good solutions that won't break immersion. Like the best we could probably do is like sub subtitles, but then you have to read. Or like me doing the VO and then what? Am I going to narrate what I said and they said and like everyone's confused? Do I change my voice for some players? Do it like probably not. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess. Yeah, that's no, no, not I'm me. I'm not going to start doing like Cali accents. I'm uh, I'm yeah. gonna promise you that much. I'd love to hear that though, just uh, for my own selfishness. Dude, the German Cali accent is something like that shouldn't be unleashed on the world. Ever. Talk about a weird patchwork, like 
I, I like if if I ever do a panel with Zizek, I'm up for that. But <laughs> until then, like you you won't get. Um, the world is not ready for the internal dialogue panel that is the multiple voices in Yiska's mind because one of them is esports Slavo Zizek, and yeah, you have to subscribe tier five on the Patreon. Pretty much, yeah. Or just join the Discord, but. Yeah. yeah no um so that's probably hopefully releasing this week it will because i'm off next week pog um probably yeah and and then after i already got two player interviews booked i definitely want to talk about uh, talk with a guy and i'm not going to reveal the name mm. a player who probably has the best balance take out of all of them I feel like that guy consistently nails it. Um, like sometimes, as you can imagine, I get like a couple of uh, screenshots from the Owl Discord, and consistently this guy nails it on the head. So I'm I'm looking forward to uh, probing. His, I wish he could have participated in uh, in the player panel. panel. It just wasn't possible, yeah. but uh, we'll we'll do it do it that way, and hopefully without lags that time. Hopefully, I think I think that that's a definitely a recipe for success. I think people are going to want to hear what the players have to say. Um, me, not much. I'm baking. I don't know if anybody's seen oh, my yeah. Twitter feed. Pretty much just food. Um, I'm on my my house husband arc. I'm making food. Okay, I'm practicing life skills. I don't know what that says about the state of my mental health, but it's not a bad thing. I'll tell you that. That's for sure. Um. Yeah, not not too terribly much. I need to get cracking on a big project that I'm going to finish prior to some dates coming up. So keep that in mind. Um, and not much else. Uh, trying to... I, I, I have this, like, hole in my chest that I need to fill with Overwatch. That, okay, that sounds way darker than it, it was actually supposed to be. Like... I, I'm itching to get back into like VOD reviewing and like watching and like having takes about teams and like the X's and O's of it. Like I'm I'm itching to get back into it. Um, so hopefully the league starts up soon. Um, because I'm you know, I'm I'm done sitting on my hands for the off season. Like I want to do something. Uh, I want to like get back into looking at teams and having takes and oh, having yeah. things to talk about. So um, yeah, just biding my time pretty much. Uh, that's 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 what I've got going um so yeah hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode uh we will be back next week um for another episode uh thank you guys again for supporting the show please join the discord community we're always there playing games i don't know how much i, I gotta be on the double digit hours of so yiska and i just sitting in chat playing escape from tarkov hanging out chatting shit maiming all kinds of stuff so please join the community support the show like and subscribe Download it on iTunes if you can't support elsewhere. And uh, we will see you guys in the next one. Adios. Peace.